Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. This is Benjamin Fincher with Starlight Mentoring, and today is going to be an interesting day because I'm joined by my father, Mark Fincher, and I know I said that name correctly. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you know how to say your last name, yeah. Yes, very good. <laughs> So Mark Fincher is an expert on using the power of perception to improve outcomes through understanding relationships. He is a mentor and coach who looks to improve individual outcomes and group performance. He is a, he is a husband and father of five remarkable children seeking to constantly improve his ability to connect and influence his family for their good and the good of others. Um, yeah, so... I know a lot about you, but the listeners don't. So what, what else can you tell us about yourself? Uh, what can I tell you? Well, I think the first thing that uh, people would find interesting about me is that uh, even though I'm a very uh, large person, uh, currently 6'4", used to be 6'5", <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've had a tendency in life to try and hide. And... It's through the process of figuring out why do I hide? Why do I, why do I shy away from taking my full stature in life that it became very apparent to me that I needed to make some changes in who I was. Um, and, and when I really say that, it's more a matter of how am I acting because I'm not truly being who I am. Right. And in, in recognizing who you really are, it becomes kind of incredible to me to think of the changes people make. And I love helping people take a different perspective. I look, I, I look at people from the perspective of who are you really? Who are you that you don't recognize who you are? And then start treating those people in that manner, rather than looking on the outside and thinking, well, yeah, you act like this, therefore you're this. I try to look to who they really are on the inside that they may not even recognize and treat them in that way so that they start to fully realize who they are and start acting out that reality rather than acting out what they consider to be reality because of external or even internal circumstances that are causing them to not be who they truly are. Yeah, that is profound. And um, like I said, this is going to be interesting because there's a lot of things that are coming to my mind to share, but also um, if you're not familiar with personal development or self-mastery, there's a lot that goes on in um, parent-child relationships and a lot of connections for good and not for so much good or even for bad and some of those are coming up right now because i'm just like okay like if my dad were so it were not my dad like i just have a normal conversation like i've had with the 20 other people i've had on the podcast and i think that goes right along with what you were just saying that there's that internal viewpoint and external viewpoint and all these things that come together and it's like okay treat a person in the way that they truly are 
and not just the, these outside things that come into your head. Right, and, and it's what comes into our head that tends to mess up our relationships. Because when we start looking at things from a perspective of, I know what's going on, then we tend to miss a lot of things in those relationships. Um, and, and I like to say that I'm an expert in perception because I've had to go through changing my own pers perspective. Um, perspective literally means uh, the, it's the science of looking at things. It's the science of optics. What we see, what we perceive is something that actually can either move us and propel us forward or completely bind us. And a lot of people don't realize how much their perspective moves them forward and holds them back at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because... Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say like that's the perfect. I have a perfect example of that. <laughs> so recently, I have been working on changing up how I offer my mentoring services for sale, so that people can work with me. And like as I meet with people, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, like it'd be great for us to work together," and they think it's great to work together too. And I'll get bound up in myself as I'm like knowing in my head that this is going to be really good to work with them. And also in my head, I can't even get the numbers out of my mouth to create that possibility. And right. like recently I've like done some redefining of that, um, like on my website to where now I feel like it's going to be easier for me. And at the same time, I'm not out of the ballpark either or, or not out of the ballpark yet either. And it just brings up a lot of interesting um, points about myself that kind of lead to discussion and stuff like that. Right. And, and, and I think the key thing there is to realize life is meant to be a process of perfecting oneself, not to be perfect in life, but to go through the process of perfecting oneself. And too often we get hung up on, oh, well, I need to be perfect. I need to get this all right. And one of the things that really helped me understand that was as a child, I was labeled remedial. I, I had problems saying my S's. So I was put into a special group of kids who got to work on, you know, with a speech therapist. And the way it was presented to me was, there's something wrong with you and we need to fix you because you're not perfect. And that stuck with me. And because of that, I, I pulled all these other ideas into my head about how imperfect I was and that I had to be perfect and therefore I was a failure. And because of that, it affected how I approached reading and math and so many other subjects in school that I became the remedial kid. I was the kid who couldn't do it right. I was the kid who fidgeted and didn't do my assignments when you know, everybody was supposed to be working nicely at their desks. 
I couldn't do it, you know, and I'm an old guy, so I predate ADHD. <laughs> but, you know, from the guy who came up with the diagnosis of it, I've, I fit it perfectly. And in many ways, I'm glad that I predated it because, you know, I didn't need to be drugged up. I needed to be looked at differently. And it was remarkable to me when I had a teacher who said, huh, you need to kind of, when we go into individual studying, you need to be in a quiet place so that you're not getting distracted. And luckily the classroom had a resource room behind uh, the classroom where aides would come in and get paperwork or whatever. So I, she, she would put me in there to work on stuff and I could focus instead of looking at all the other kids going, what are they doing? Uh, and, you know, it, it changed a little bit, you know, it, it, it did do some damage because I thought, oh, I'm so bad, I have to be by myself. I didn't quite comprehend what she was trying to accomplish. But a few years later, you know, still the remedial kid, um, I, I, you know, there were a couple of experiences before that even, before I had that other teacher, um, I, my brother was in a program called MGM or Mentally Gifted Minors. It was for the special kids who were super smart. And here I am, I'm going, man, my older brother, he's, he's, he's in this MGM program. He's so great. And I'm the remedial kid. I'm stupid. And really compounding the issue in your head. Right. It was really solidifying to, to the way I thought of myself, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm useless. I'm worthless. And my brother was going on a field trip to go see some tidal pools and all the creatures that lived in them and whatever. And the kids in that group were told, you can invite a friend to go with you. And bless my dear brother's heart, he invited me to go with him. Awesome. Yeah. And I went on this field trip. And of course, I'm the hyper kid. I'm running everywhere. And I'm looking at everything, pointing out all the different creatures and asking questions and going, oh, that makes sense. And coming to conclusions. And it was kind of interesting because a couple of the teachers on the field trip kind of looked at me and went, wait, this is a remedial kid. This is a kid who's not supposed to be so smart. Why does he have so many questions? Why does he understand things? Why does he see so much? And so that kind of stuck in the back of my head. Nothing changed at that point as far as how he's being treated in school, but it stuck in my head that, wait, I actually have skills. I have abilities that Suddenly, somebody that I looked up to, a teacher, said, wow, you have something different about you. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, maybe I'm not quite what I think I am. And so it put a seed in my mind that maybe there was something different. Well, fast forward a few years, I had moved, uh, totally felt out of place uh, to where I moved to, went from a, a very suburban area to the country. And I didn't fit in with the kids there. At least I didn't think I did. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of ridiculed by some of the kids. 
wore corrective shoes, so I had to wear dress shoes instead of tennis shoes. And I, I got mocked a lot. But uh, the teacher, because I moved in the middle of the school year, and the teacher I got, he recognized me. I felt out of place. Uh, and a man with a heart of gold. And Bob Hayes said, hey, you know, and, and it couldn't be done today, but he said, hey, rather than, you know, going outside and eating your lunch outside, why don't you just eat in here and I'll teach you how to play chess. He realized I needed a friend. And so we would eat lunch and he taught me how to play chess while we ate lunch. Now today, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, bad, ooh, you know, horrible. But it was a different day and age and I, and I love and respect Bob for what he did. He became a very, very close family friend uh, a few years later. But he recognized something in me and he nurtured it. And, you know, I didn't realize chess was a rather difficult game to master. But he saw that I had a need to have a friend and that I had a need to develop some mental skills that weren't being activated. The next year, I'm still a remedial kid. And my fourth grade teacher, halfway through the school year, I think she was a little frustrated with me because I just wasn't doing anything. I wasn't accomplishing anything. And one day she taps me on the shoulder and she says, Mark, come with me. And I'm kind of like, oh, I'm in trouble again. What's going on? And she walked me across the classroom to this huge row of bookshelves. The entire wall was bookshelves. And she looks through the books and she pulls one out and she says, okay, here's a story. I want you to take a week to read it and then come back to me and tell me what it was about. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not quite sure why you want me to do that, but okay, I'll do that. And I start reading this story and I was just totally wrapped up in it. It was a really good story for me at that point. And after two days, I went to her and I'm like, oh yeah, this was a great story here. And it's about this, da, 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 da. And she looks at me and she just goes, you're not remedial. You're not stupid. You're bored. Because she had pulled one of the hardest readers off the shelf. And she had an inkling that I just wasn't being challenged enough. And all of a sudden, she set me on a new path by telling me, you're not remedial, you're not stupid, you're bored. Get engaged is really what she was trying to say. Here, I want you to start doing more challenging things than you've been doing. And I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class in half a year because she cared enough to believe in me and say, there's more in you. Yeah. And what's interesting for me as you're recounting that story is I've heard this story before and yet not in such great detail. The final part of it I've heard a lot, but to understand more of the struggle of just how ingrained this was in your head, like for me, that's good, but also just for the listeners to be able to understand, like sometimes we get things really ingrained in our heads and there's that moment that finally somebody else comes along and is just like, snaps their fingers 
with something they say or do and they're just like look <laughs> you're not this way you're, you're actually this way right you know and those labels especially as children we, we really latch on to the labels oh, yeah. people give us and and so we make them our own we own them rather than saying well does this make any sense or not and so i you know i, I took that label i took the label of i'm a bully uh first grade you know, I was a big kid, but there were kids bigger than me. And I, you know, I got into a fight with the biggest kid in the class and I hurt him badly. Um, and he started crying and it broke my heart when I saw him crying because I'm like, why am I doing this to him? I don't, I don't even know what the issue was that we got in a fist fight. We both got in trouble. We got dragged to the principal's office and I was devastated. And I promised myself I would never physically beat up on a person again and so i let people pick on me for a very very long time before i finally realized i have a right to protect myself but i don't have a right to beat up on people there's a big difference yeah. between protecting oneself and, and bullying others and uh you know <clears throat> those, those little things because if you think i'm a bully you won't do a lot of things in life that you really should be going after because it's who you are. You want to go after things, but you think, oh, no, I'm going to hurt somebody in the process of doing that. And where's that idea coming from? Well, it's coming from this little kid perspective of I hurt people rather than coming from the perspective of if I do this, I can help people. I can accomplish more by doing these things, but you get it stuck in your head. Don't do anything because you'll hurt somebody. Yeah. And it's interesting how sometimes the kid who gets picked on the most ends up being the biggest bully later once they gain physical strength or once they learn how to use um, uh, cutting retorts. And it goes to that line that said sometimes that hurt people hurt people and right. that's an adjective and a verb that the people that are hurt end up hurting other people and, and it's very very true I, I very much was that way through you know my school years you know because I went from the the stupid kid to you know I took on the label I'm the smartest kid and I will grind you into the ground is how I took it because I'd been hurt so much by these other kids and not all of them, but enough of them that that became my revenge ability. And so I used intelligence to hurt other people rather than taking my intelligence and going, how can I lift and help other people? I was like, how can I crush them? And and not the best perspective not the best perspective and when i when i realized that going into college you know i went from being the big fish the one who could eat everybody else and i got to college and found out i was a small fish in a big you know or a big fish in a small pond but when i got put in the ocean all of a sudden nah <laughs> uh, i was not top predator and I had to change my perspective from trying to be a predator to, okay, how can we work together? 
what, what's the what's the ability that I have to bring people together? And it took me a lot of years to figure that out. But once I started figuring it out, it's like, wow, I have the gift of perspective to shift perspectives in conversations to learn how to help people. And as you, Benjamin, are very well aware, uh, I had a grandfather who loved arguing. It was a sport <laughs> for him. It literally, it was, it, it was a pastime for him. It wasn't like he was trying to hurt people. He just liked arguing because it gave him the ability to work his mind. And, and as I began to realize, why did he do that? It's like, he liked working his mind because he would take a point just to argue it. And by the end of the argument, he was arguing what you were arguing to begin with. He wasn't, he wasn't holding on to an ideal. He was just exercising his mind. It frustrated people to no end. I remember <laughs> so many times watching my mom and my grandmother just walk out of the room because he was just so into the argument. Now, I was arguing to win. I wasn't arguing to exercise my mind. I wanted to win. And so I took some bad things out of that. But I also sharpened my abilities to say, wait, he's going to shift perspective here and he's going to take my point of view. How can I? And so I started exercising my ability to shift perspectives. And when I started realizing I can do that to help people, oh my goodness, that was a wonderful day in my life when all of a sudden I realized, wow, I can help other people by shifting perspective. Yeah. Well, and that kind of reminds me of the last week's episode where we talked a lot about like coming to your own conclusions and learning things for yourself where you can try out other people's perspectives, see what you learn from it and take that and apply it to yourself and be like, okay, now I can become a better person because I've seen from their point of view what they're looking at. Right. And, and that's something that uh, the world in general and currently in our country, we really need to learn to take somebody else's perspective and look through it. You know, the whole thing of walking somebody else's shoes for a mile. Well, okay, you, you may feel what their feet feel. My feet are big. I don't want to walk in most people's shoes. <laughs> it's too uncomfortable. But I can certainly look through their eyes. Yeah, I can look through their eyes. And, you know, I, as I followed some of the events um, leading up to what some call insurrection at the Capitol, others call a riot, others call a demonstration. How do you look at it? And I read an article talking about some of the people who have lost their jobs because of the fact that they were there. One of the people was a CEO and he posted and he says, you know, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Biggest mistake I've ever made. Because here's somebody, he's a CEO, okay? He's somebody who's been trained to look at things differently in order to get his business in a good place. And yet 
he took a perspective on a specific thing and wouldn't change the perspective, which led him to do something that he now regrets immensely. Yeah. And he recognized, wow, what I did was wrong. It was stupid. I should never have gotten myself there. And I hope that he takes the opportunity to look at it and learn from the mistake of, okay, I did something that was completely out of character for me in most of my life. But this was one characteristic I held on to so tightly, I couldn't see how it was going to hurt me and hurt others in the process of holding on to it. And that's what I, I love helping people realize those things that they're holding on to so tightly that they're incapable, literally incapable as they hold on to that of changing to meet something that comes up. Well, and even a lot of the times it comes down to even being able to recognize it. Right. Because up until something like that happens, you can be like, oh yeah, rah, 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 rah. And it's until some consequence that is immensely either positive or negative comes from it that you finally actually recognize it. And if it's a positive consequence, it just kind of validates it. But if it's a negative consequence, then you're just like, oh, wow, how did I not see that sooner? Right, right. And that's what I love helping people with. I love holding conversations because all of a sudden I start seeing things. I, I listen to the words people use. Uh, I, I have a, a large vocabulary because I read a lot. And yet I, I had this story in my head. I didn't read at all as a kid. I never read anything. And college was hard because I had to read so much. Well, what I came to understand in later years, when my parents uh, moved, my mom's like, hey, you know, I got a bunch of books out there that I don't want to take with us in the move. Look through it and see if there's anything that, you know, interests you. I know you had read some of the stuff out there. And I went and I started looking at them and I'm like, I remember that and 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 that. And I stood there looking at this huge amount of books on a shelf going, oh my gosh, I read voraciously. And I didn't realize how much I had read because I had convinced myself that I wasn't a good reader because I read slowly. And so therefore, I wasn't a good reader. And I took that with me. And by the time I got out of college, that was so ingrained in my head that I'm not a good reader and I don't read anything that I literally didn't read any books for probably seven years after wow. I finished my master's coursework. And Somebody introduced me to a book and I'm like, wow, I really would like to read that, but I don't read. And I'm like, well, I'm going to read it anyways. And it got me back into reading. I was like, wow, I love this. And I started reading again. And I was introduced to a concept of here's a list of books to read. Uh, Oliver DeMille had this great book of 100 classics. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to track whether I've read them all, I need to put them into a list that I can check off. And so my wife and I created a spreadsheet for this list. And we're like, well, we should probably also, you know, have another tab in the spreadsheet 
to, you know, be able to track other stuff we read. And all of a sudden we were compiling lists in all these different sheets in the spreadsheet to track what we had read. And I began to realize, wow, I read that, I read that, I read that as a kid, but I didn't remember when I read it, you know, whatever. But we started tracking by date. When did we complete a book that we read? And so now I can see how much I read. And there are times I go, wow, I want to read more because I haven't read anything in a while. But yeah. in doing that, you know, I really have come to understand that if you don't keep track of what you're doing in life, what you're accomplishing, it's easy to think, I don't get anything done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you start tracking it, one, you may realize there are some things you want to be doing that you're not getting done. But you may realize there are a lot of other things I am getting done. Wow. I do get things done. I may need to refocus what I'm doing, but I can get things done. You know, maybe I'm really good at playing this game for five hours. Well, you got it done. Okay, maybe you want to refocus that. <laughs> right. You know, and that's what people don't understand is they, it's like, oh, you're bad. You play video games. It's like, well, no, video games aren't necessarily bad. It's just how much are you focusing on that versus other things in life? And where's your priority and your focus? Right. Where's the priority and your focus? Um, are there emails that you're focusing on that maybe aren't as important as you think? Mm -hmm. you know, so things like that. Well, yeah. And that reminds me of like, talking about tracking. Like I could be looking at this one thing that I want to be doing and like, oh, I'm not getting these particular projects done or I'm not having as much success in this one thing. But then I go back and look at my schedule over the week this week and I've recorded seven podcast episodes within the past three days for my podcast. And I like did one this morning for someone else's podcast and one yesterday afternoon for someone else's podcast and had a training last night. And I'm doing a team call later today and so I could look and be like, oh, there's so many things I'm not doing. But if I actually look at what I am doing, it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually doing a buttload of stuff and I'm not giving myself credit for it. Right. It's the credit that we, we tend to not work on enough. We, we, we recognize I'm doing things, but we, we diminish the value of them. We look down on what we are accomplishing because we think that the things that we want to accomplish are so much more important that we won't give ourselves credit for the good things we are doing. Yeah. And if we keep doing that, then we get those things done that we wanted to accomplish. And then we're like, oh, but now I wanted to do this other thing. So now that thing I wanted to accomplish that I wasn't happy about the other thing. Now I'm not happy about that next thing. And so it's like if you weren't happy about the first thing that you did because you wanted to do the second thing. And then now that you've got the second thing, you wanted to do the third thing. And so you're still not happy. It, it, like give yourself credit. Right. Give yourself credit and be present in the moment. You know, too often we are, we're so worried about what happened in the past or what we plan on doing in the future that in the moment we don't have any joy or happiness. And if you really want to, change your life, you really, really want happiness in the moment. Oh, yeah. Because if you can't have that happiness in the moment, you will never, ever find that happiness. 
because the next thing you, you, that you think is going to bring you happiness, you are not practiced in finding joy. And so that next thing will not bring you the joy you expect. Yeah. And expectations lead to disappointment. I like to tell people, I don't expect things of people. I anticipate things from people, which means they may not get things done that I want them to do, but I still look at them as a quality person who will get those things done. And it may take them years to figure out how to do those things, but I know they'll become that person. So I just anticipate who they will become and what that will mean for my life as well. Right. What, what I really get out of that is I get a friend or a family member who is absolutely awesome. Yeah, because it's no longer like, oh, they're not doing this. So I don't like them. It's they'll eventually do this. So awesome. Right. And, and that can do, be really hard when it comes to household chores. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I tell you and the rest of the family, we have a family for a reason. It's because they know every button to push that sets you off. And the reason that they're there for you and you chose them, I truly believe we chose our family. And the reason that we're here for one another is because we know those buttons and we get to work on disarming those buttons. Yeah. So that when somebody goes to push it, hey, guess what? I disconnected it. Yeah, it's like it's it still gets the click, but there's no wire connected to it that leads to the right. reaction. Yep. Or, or, or you've rewired it so that when they push that button, they get a completely opposite reaction of what they were expecting. <laughs> right. Want to frustrate a family member, act in an absolutely wonderful way when they push that button. Oh, yeah. Kind of like in the Emperor's New Groove where you pull the wrong lever and they're like, wait, I pulled the right lever, but it gave me the wrong response. <laughs> <laughs> and we both could shout out examples of certain buttons that have been pushed, but we will have grace for our family and not do that. Yes. But just to call out the like, starting this episode was really interesting because instead of some person I am unfamiliar with or a friend getting on in this zoom call in the left-hand side of the screen, it's, Oh, hi dad. Um, now I completely forgot how to podcast. What? <laughs> but you didn't forget how to hold a conversation. Right. And that's one thing. That's one thing that I'm appreciative of you, Benjamin, is that, you know, you've always been the one to have conversations with me. you and your older sister are the ones who really enjoy a conversation even if sometimes it gets into things that hurt a little bit yeah because you really want that change that the hurts pointing out needs to happen right and that kind of ties into a lot of what's happened on these podcast episodes like those of you that have listened to a handful of episodes you'll have noticed there's things i bring up that i'm struggling with right now it's not, oh yeah, I struggled with this in the past. Like I bring up tons of those because I can tell you how to resolve that. But there's things I bring up now that I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm struggling with this. And it, most of the time it's because I see that the person I'm talking with can help me with it, but also just to let you know, hey, I'm human too. Right. And, and that vulnerability is what creates connections. Yeah, you know, my, my company is Living Tree Connections. 
Yeah, I want people connected to their family. I want people connected to the people around them. I want people to be so connected that there is pain felt when somebody else is suffering. It doesn't mean you hold on to the pain, but you feel it. You recognize it so that you can come and assist them and help them heal. Yeah. Whether it's just physically being there, giving somebody a smile, complimenting them in a way that they're not used to being complimented, all those things help people heal. Just like you can heal from receiving those things. One of my mentors, Kevin Hall, he has taught me very clearly to, when somebody gives me a compliment, to receive it by bringing my hand to my heart and saying, I accept and receive that with gratitude. Yeah. Because we like to push away all of those compliments people give us. Yeah, we're used you, to it. We, we, we literally push them down or push them away with our hands and most definitely with our words. Yeah, because how many times have you said or heard someone say, like, give a compliment? Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, you did such a great job. And they're like, ah, pff, it was nothing. And they like it, put their hand up it, and literally bat it down as if they were trying to get it like away from getting to them. Right. And it's like, don't do that. Don't. And, do and that. one of the other things I've noticed, I have some very successful friends who they don't battle, they don't bat down the compliments. They redirect the compliments. Yeah, and they turn it so back at the person. Give it back to the person, or if they're in a group, they'll say, but everybody else here is rather than receiving it for themselves, they want to share it with everybody else because they don't feel worthy of receiving it. Yeah, and and and, and this, th that's where it gets fun when you're dealing with a successful person who does that, <laughs> and you look at them and you go, "Stop it!" Yep, accept that, receive that, and they look at you like, "But I can't." I mean, I've literally seen a look of horror on these great people's faces because they're so used to passing along the praise, and it's not wrong to pass on praise it's like thank you i accept and receive that and you know what the other people here are the same way too that's why i like being here yeah okay, that's a very different feel than well i'm not but you are yeah and that's the point i was just trying to bring up too it, it, this is another great thing about talking with my dad we're both covering the same points <laughs> <laughs> different, different perspectives exactly but, but to be like, okay, I accept that. And yet I also want to give my own compliment. Yeah. And there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because that's showing gratitude. I am grateful that you see that in me. Here's what I see in you as well. It's amplifying the compliment. But when you redirect it, it's actually diminishing the compliment. Because it has to pass through you. And as we... If you science people out there know the inertia and energy and distance traveled and yada yada blah blah blah, it's, like it's, it's it has to, yeah, has to travel more distance and loses power. Yeah, the entropy will take away from it. Whereas if you receive it, it increases the power of that, and then when you go to share it, it magnifies it. Yeah, because then you become 
like a prism of sorts, taking that and sharing it and making it bigger instead of just being a mirror. Right. You're increasing it. You're, you're adding color to it as a prism will do. Yeah. And a lot of people have really, really bad mindsets when it comes to compliments. And that's one of the things I, I, I will do to people until forever. <laughs> until forever. I will compliment people on the good things they do. And, and, you know, and, that, and that's, teach that's them how to receive children, it. <laughs> yeah, and teach them how to receive. Uh, my, my children, you know, again, buttons. They push my buttons. <laughs> and I point out the things they do wrong. But I'm learning even better than I ever did with you, Benjamin, to give them praise. Say, hey, I appreciate this and this and this. And this could be a little bit better, but you did this so well. I don't want them to feel like they're not good enough. It's like, man, you're doing fantastic. Here's the next step up. Yeah. What you did was fantastic. Well, and even for those listening, um, you might be in a similar situation as me where like I hear my dad say this and I'm just like, but why not me? Why didn't you figure this out earlier? Or instead I could be, you know, I'm happy for my siblings and I'm happy for you. And I'm happy that I'm figuring this out too. So I can do a better job than my dad did. Does that diminish what my dad did growing up or or raising me? No, it just says that was a fact. That is a statement of life. That is now history. I can change and do better. Right. And trust me, when you have kids, you will learn the hard fact that you're not going to be perfect with the first ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm married now. And so it's kind of started hitting me. I'm like, Oh my goodness. How am I going to do this? Like, I don't even interact perfectly with my wife, let alone myself, let alone any other family members. How am I going to raise my kids? <laughs> and yeah, God, God gives you that uh, next step. Yep. You know, he, he says, Here, here's, here's the path you should walk. And that's going to be your next step. Because I see in you how powerful you are, but you don't yet see it. So you're going to have to go through some stuff and figure it out. Uh, and that's and, everyone. It is everyone. <laughs> the, the, the key difference I see between highly successful people, and when I say successful, I don't necessarily mean wealthy. Okay, there are plenty of people who are a mess that have lots and lots of money. Successful people are people who recognize they've made mistakes and learn from them to be better people. They don't dwell on the mistakes. They learn from them and figure out how to be better because of them. Yeah. And that's self-mastery right there is learning and being better because of, or learning from and doing better because of. Right. Experiences, challenges. Yeah. And, And a lot of people listening to this podcast probably set goals. A lot of them probably, you know, pick a word for the year you know, and what's your, what's your word for the year? And I had a bunch of friends posting that on social media going, what's your word? Here's my word. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, what's my word for the year? 
And this one word kept coming to mind and I'm going, that is just a bizarre word. Why would that be my word for the year? And of course, you know, I like definitions. I looked up the meaning of the word and I'm like, that's why, that's why. Because my word for the year is clemency. I and what it means of what that means. Yeah, well, what it means is to show mercy, uh, forgiveness, to um, have compassion as a person in authority to mm -hmm. somebody else who is, you know, I would say beneath you, but really I don't believe that, that anybody's beneath you, but somebody who's maybe in a lesser status than you in some way or, or but i realized sort of stewardship that, stewardship right but i realized that the reason clemency kept coming to my mind was i needed to give myself clemency Ooh. and why wait 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 you mean i'm an authority over me and it was a it was a it was a magical moment when i realized oh I have authority over me. I can give myself clemency. When I make a mistake, I can show leniency. I don't have to beat myself up. And some people listening to this are just going, why would you, do, why would you beat yourself up? Okay. Different personality types have different ways of looking at this. My personality type, very, very hard on myself. And uh, I, I took a lot of that because I was so hurt, I took a lot of that hurt and put it on others. When I finally began to realize, wait. Raising my hand over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, when I began to realize, no, I don't want to hurt other people. I really worked at not hurting other people, but I was still just terrible to myself. And so this year, my word is clemency. I don't have to be terrible to myself. I can be good to myself, just like I'm good to other people. Yeah. But, well, and even just me growing up in the 23 years I've had with you, you have changed so much. And even though just a second ago, I said, yeah, raising my hand over here, you hurt me. You've made such strides in changing that around to where you're no longer hurting people or yourself. And obviously I don't know your internal battles as well as you do, but to see that the outside at least is beginning to come around that means the insides coming around as well yeah you know and, and again the same i look at you and I, I see you know because there are some things you do that are hurtful to other people but i see that you're especially through marriage now are learning to <laughs> bridle some of those things that you do yep and when you have kids when you're around other people, you're going to begin to realize, wow, I, I have this habit, okay? It's not a character trait, it's a habit. Because your true character is to be loving and caring. But if you're stuck in the idea of, I hurt people because I do this, you're not able to see the loving and caring side of yourself. Yeah. And thus forgive yourself and change the behavior. You then latch onto the behavior and go, that's who I am. Yeah. And it's interesting as we're talking about this, like different examples coming up and how when you work through those emotions, and especially for listeners to pay attention to this part, like as you work through the emotions 
and the reasons why you started any particular behavior, it can really start to unravel the mystery behind it and really enable you to choose. And um, the particular example is coming up right now is like an examples of addiction as you are able to really examine what got you into that addictive behavior in the first place and like just be brutally honest with yourself and be like okay what was it why how when who where and especially honing in on that why in the first place you can then unravel that and say i don't want that anymore and it makes it so much easier to choose a new path and, and it's that choice. The choice is what makes the difference. Yeah. Because once you recognize what's truly going on, now I'm going to say this, you will find that uh, you get to shift perspectives a lot in looking at those emotions and what caused you to grasp them and hold on to them. Because as you dig a little bit deeper, you may look from a different perspective and realize, oh, I, I, I I actually had something else that was causing that other than what I initially thought, or this was compounding it or whatever. It's a process. It's a yeah. process of going through and identifying the things that have affected you to cause the behaviors that you show in life. And that's why I call it perfecting oneself because as you look at that, you start to decide, well, I don't like that part of my essence. When I say essence, it's, it's more of what's there at the moment. Um, but your virtue, the power that truly makes up who you are, is very different than all the little things that got added to you through your life. Yeah. You utilize those to, to grind down that perfect lens to see who you really are inside because it takes some grinding you have to have some grit about you to truly grind something down but the more fine that grit becomes the more polished that lens becomes yeah and again taking it back to that example of a prism uh, not a prison a prism like the kind that does the cool rainbow effect um the more you polish that down to being something that magnifies beauty like it just ends up being really cool and beautifies other people's lives and a lot of it especially when you're dealing with internal issues you have to make your own choices you have to come to your own realizations someone can't make an epiphany moment for you they can facilitate it but you have to have the epiphany yourself you have to come to the realization yourself and that's something that was really profound for me as i was dating uh now my wife who was my girlfriend at the time that there was a lot of things that I'm like, okay, I no longer want to be holding on to this destructive behavior, or I no longer want to be holding on to this other behavior that's not serving me as much as it could. Um, and, and she facilitated that growth in me. 
I still had to make the changes, but she made a big reason for me to want to change because I'm like, I want to be with her, but who I am right now, I don't want to be with her as I am because I know that she deserves better. Right. And it's when you start valuing the people around you that you really start looking at yourself more clearly. Oh, yeah. Value yourself. You know, you're around yourself 100% of the time. Value yourself more so that you can value other people more. Yeah. And this goes for people looking to get in a relationship too. Like there's prep work to be done before you come across that person because otherwise the perfect person comes along and you're not ready for them. Even like it, how am I trying to say this? Like if you're a mile off, they're not going to wait that mile for you to catch up. But if you're a foot off, they'll be like, okay, I can see you're almost there. Let's work through this. Um, it's your thing, but I can help you. And they'll help you work through that foot. But like, right. th- th- there's and, prep work. Right. And there are going to be areas where you're a mile behind somebody or a mile ahead of somebody. And you know, I'm not perfect today being married either. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. You know, and then, and, and again, it's that perspective of, okay, which aspect of my life needs more work? Which aspect of my spouse's life needs more work? Well, you don't tell them you need to work on this. <laughs> that causes problems. <laughs> yeah. You, you help them to see the joy you have in that aspect of your life that is enticing enough to them to say, I want that too. Yeah. It's, it's not tell them to do it. It's to encourage and entice and by show, showing them. Yeah, show them how awesome them. it is. Right. But not putting it in their face and just going, look how awesome I am. It's just a quiet joy in being that attribute that you're, that you're trying to help them gain. Yeah. And that's where a lot of, you know, and and I've had more than enough problems with this in my own relationships, whether it's with my parents, my wife, my kids, sibling, um, you know, whatever I do in life, if I truly want somebody to be like what I see as a value, I have to have joy in that. And when I have joy in that and express that joy, it entices other people to go after it themselves. Yeah. And that's the same reason a lot of people get into bad things is because they become enticed that way. And so we need to say, okay, well, let's entice you to come do the good thing. Right. Like, you know, they say, join the force and we have cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the things that we look for in life, we, we need to look is it something that brings darkness or is it something that brings light? Yeah. Because if we have to hurt somebody to get something, uh, that's going to take you to darkness eventually. It may not seem like it in the moment. You know, stealing the cookie from the cookie jar, yeah, it brings joy in the moment. But then there's the realization that I, I was dishonest. I, I did something that I was told not to do by somebody who had authority over me. 
and you're laughing because you remember stealing cookies or something. I don't know. No, the the sevens or the six soda cans because I thought I deserved soda and explicitly was told when I asked to not have soda. I was like six years old and I wanted soda. I mean, Hawaiian punch soda, we never had that. And (laughs) it was just sitting in the storage room and my bedroom was just a couple rooms away and everyone was always upstairs. So I'm just like, oh yeah, like I can just sneak this and hide it under my pillow. Well, the one day we actually cleaned my room in like my whole life, it was a couple other times, but like, (laughs) and all of a sudden I start acting weird and trying to hide it and being on top of my pillow. And my sister's like, what's up? You're acting weird. You're not cleaning. You're, you're trying to hide something. And all of a sudden pillow. Oh, (laughs) and sometimes it's a uh, stark realization and a stark uh, discovery. And yet it doesn't have to be always. We can choose to work on it before. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing. It's about the vulnerability to say, I made a mistake. And let the people that you harm know, I'm sorry. So, Dad, I'm sorry for having stolen those sodas as a kid. Yeah, like I even remember. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. We, we place so much importance on certain things that we've done. And we hold on to it. We are looking so much into the past, holding on to that as a hitching post. We don't even realize that the people we think are going to be super, super hurt by what we did. We even care. It's been really funny being present for some of the conversations between my wife and her mom, where she's just like, oh, yeah, mom, you remember this thing I did as a kid? And she's like, nope, didn't even know you did that. She's like, but you got so mad about it. Yeah, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because in the moment, it pushed a button. But it was forgotten. It was let go. Didn't matter, you know. But we remember the moment that that energy of anger or disappointment or whatever that emotion was that we took in. We remember that. But the other person most of the time doesn't have any recollection of it because it was just a trigger that got pushed and they went on with life. It's kind of uh, kind of an interesting example to take this from, but it's like if uh, there's a sheriff in an old West town, who knows how many people he shot because he's been enforcing the law and there's been bad guys coming around and maybe there's been once or twice he shot someone that wasn't supposed to be shot, but man, do they remember it. And we do that emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. A good mentor of mine, uh, she, she put it this way, you know, when people are angry, we have to ask ourselves, Is the fan blowing at me, the angry person, are they blowing at me or did I just happen to walk in front of it? Yeah. Because too often we think, oh man, I, I, you know, this person's so mad at me. Well, they're just mad. Road rage. Perfect example. Yeah. (laughs) They're just mad. You just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or maybe you were in the wrong place at the right time, either for you to learn a lesson or to help them learn something. Because if you don't return anger for anger, but show compassion and love, that can change a person dramatically. 
Yeah. Because it all of a sudden becomes that moment of mercy that wakes him up. And like, this hasn't happened before. Yeah. All of a sudden that trigger that they're pushing because they know somebody's going to react and they get a completely opposite reaction. It, it takes them off their feet. Yeah. And they knocks their socks up, off in a good way. Yeah, knocks their socks off. They end up on their butt as a kid going, but that's not supposed to be the way it happens. It's like, I did a bad thing. You're supposed to get mad at me. Yeah. And and it really does, you know, some people, they, they, they have hardened themselves enough that it's only going to take a small chip off of them. But other people, it's, it's going to completely wash away all the grit and grime around them. And they're going to really realize, wow, I'm a different person than I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and to kind of bring this into the conversation now, I feel like vision boards are really good to kind of wash away that grime in ourselves because when you want to go get a goal, your brain will give you an inventory of all the things impeding you to get that goal. Our minds interpret it as doubt, but it's really just a grocery list of or laundry list of you need to clean these things up before you can get this. And if you do it, great, you got the goal. But if you just sit there looking at it, like, oh, it's a mountain of doubt. It's like, no, it's just, it's just your laundry list. All these things are dirty. Clean them. Yeah. Yeah. Things to, you know, or maybe it's uh, the workout list. Yeah. That, okay. You know, yeah, you're not strong enough in this yet. Go do some workouts, get stronger, and then you'll get there. And maybe it's a mix between the two. Maybe you need to go oh, yeah, yeah, half it's definitely. and maybe you need to work out the other half. And that's yeah. letting go and empowering. Right. It's it's both. You, you've got to build up and you've got to let go to uh, to cleanse yourself of the things that make it seem like doubt. Because doubt is really just looking at evidence from the past that says you can't rather than having the strength to look forward and say, I can. Yeah. And really interesting, the vision board success to share today is to have graduated the launch program, which my dad knows about, but to give some background on that, it's a 12 week training program on presenting where each week there's certain things you need to do and each day there's certain things you need to do and there's certain things you need to have accomplished over the course of the 12 weeks. And it can be really intense depending on the person. And for me, this was one of the first programs I um, signed up for that was just like, okay, this is more than just a three-day seminar, four-day seminar. This is something where I actually have to put in work or I'm not going to get the certificate at the end. And sure, I could have decided whatever, like I'll just learn what I can, but I was like, no, I want to get the certificate. And so I made up a mock certificate and put that on my vision board, put it on there um, September 25th, or roughly September 25th of 2018 and took it off October 22nd of 2018. And that was one thing that I had to work through a lot 
of grit and grind and do those mental workouts to be able to get that one off because it wasn't just like that first vision board success I had of have five in-depth conversations with people. It was, no, this is work. Yeah. And you had to build yourself up to that point of being able to accomplish it. Yeah. And it was hard. Yeah. And I did it. And, you know, that's the beauty of it. All of a sudden now you realize, wow, I can do those hard things. I have more ability than I saw in myself. Yeah. And it goes back to that training I mentioned I did last night. Nobody signed up for it, which was really getting to me on an emotional and mental level. It was triggering so many things. I'm like, nobody signed up again. Seriously? And I was having those doubts go through my head of, oh, should I have made it for free so that like at least one person would have showed up or I could have like just said, hey, you don't even have to pay, just show up. I had all these things going through my head and I had the blessing of having a mentor earlier that day yesterday tell me, hey, you do that whether or not people show up, you committed to it. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And I did it and nobody showed up and I did it. And uh, my mind did flash back to this time during this program where there were presentations that sucked. And yet I did them because I can do hard things. Right. You can get past the emotional blocks that keep you from accomplishing what you want. And vision boards are great for that. Yeah. Vision boards are great for that. Um, Declarations are great for that. You know, and one of the other things that I found is just keeping track. What am I accomplishing? What am I doing? Just keeping track of what you're doing. I, every day I journal and I include something I'm grateful for. I include successes for the day. Why? Because I just want to keep building the energy if I get stuff done. Yeah. I accomplish things. And, uh, you know, I don't have to write all the negative stuff in my journal. I can write that down and throw it away. Yeah. Now I might I might mention some of the negative things that happen, but I don't have to spew all Emotion. the negativity of it on somebody else who might read that someday. Like yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, okay, yeah, this terrible thing happened, but I already got rid of the emotions surrounding it. I did feel this way and it was intense and yada yada. And you could describe what it was like, but you're no longer pouring the emotion into the words. Right. Because that becomes a record worth reading instead of just another social media post, someone ranting. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, that's a good way to put it. You know, it's like, you can tell the difference between a social media post and a sincere post on social media. Yeah. Between between a rant and a sincere post. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy enough. And you can feel the difference and that's, to me, that's the key thing in life is what do we feel? And I, I avoided feeling for a lot of years. I would take Myers-Briggs tests and I would get so mad at it because it said that one of the things that was part of my personality was that I was a feeler. And I'm like, I am not a feeler. I am a judger and I'm not, you know, I'm a thinker. I'm a, you know, whatever. And I would literally go back and change answers so that it wouldn't tell me that. I remember you told me about that the other day and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
because I was so wrapped up in the emotion that feeling is bad because I had too many experiences in my childhood where I was told, you only think, you only, you know, do what you're told to do. Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. Don't express yourself. Just do what you're told to do. And there's a reason that uh, my wife and I chose to homeschool our kids was because I didn't want my kids to go through what I went through being told, shut up, sit down and do what you're told. I wanted them to learn to express themselves and I wanted them to be able to feel. And I didn't really realize it at the time that I made that decision, but deep down, that's what it came down to. I wanted them to be able to choose for themselves and feel what life is really about. Yeah. And I'm very grateful to you guys for having made that choice because as many people have discovered over the last year, homeschooling is not easy. (laughs) No, no, it's not easy for the kids and it's not easy for the parents, but if you choose into it, it becomes worth it. It becomes worth it and you'll figure it out. Even if that doesn't look like what school looks like to people. Yeah, like if you looked at my curriculum from a kid, you would be surprised how I am the type of person I am today because my curriculum most days was get on the computer and play video games. And maybe my mom prints off a math worksheet. And maybe my dad makes me write a book report that then I stop reading an entire series that I started enjoying because of the book report. (laughs) Still need to get back to the Hardy Boys. Or maybe you'll just find that, okay, well, yeah, it was fun as a kid, but maybe it really doesn't matter now. But again, yeah, those things of, I, when force is applied, rather than inviting and encouraging, when expectations are set, results tend to wane. Yeah. Just like, I don't particularly remember this, but you've told me before that you tried to make me read as a kid and I shut down from reading. Right. It was a valuable lesson to me. Stop forcing my kids to read when they're not ready. Let them begin to read when they're ready to read. Yeah. And once I finally picked it up, man, did I read a lot. Yes, you did. Library every week, every couple of days check out new books, bring them back. Just back and forth. That would, During summer, that was what I did. I did more reading than playing games during the summers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of the rest of the year too, if I got in a good series. Um, but then also for me, I grew up with a stereotype in my head of math is terrible and nobody likes it. Therefore, I don't like it. And finally, as I had to do math for some certain classes i started out not liking it and then i actually got into what it was i'm like i actually kind of like this and i went through three years in a semester yeah and it's like okay sure maybe i was behind enough that that was quote unquote easy but how many kids even if they're like starting an addition can go through three years in four months and well, i'm and, and you got yourself to doing calculus when you were, I think, a sophomore or junior. Yeah. Because you 
took an interest and pursued it. And I decided I didn't want to keep going with calculus and that's okay. I don't need to do that on a day to day. Yeah, I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) And another point I wanted to bring up is that there's a lot of people in the world that are starting to realize, no, I can feel and I can express my emotions because there were their parents or their grandparents or even them like my dad, where he grew up in school and it was no sit down, shut up, don't feel, don't express it, don't be yourself. And people are tired of that. The problem I see is that people don't know how to do it healthily. And that's one thing that I like to help people learn is how could you express yourself in a healthy manner? Right. And, and that healthy way of doing things brings so much power, so much joy, gratitude, humility. It, yeah. it all comes from doing it the right way. And a lot of people don't get that, that when you do it the right way, you feel those emotions, you feel that sense of wholeness, which seems completely opposite of what you would expect it to be. Yeah. And it's just really eye-opening and shocking. And you're like, oh, that was good. I like this. Let's keep doing it this way. Like sad songs, listen to some sad songs to express sadness. Actually sit down and feel the emotion. Right. They're not bad. They just honor honor the emotion and let it go. Let it serve its purpose and let it go. Yeah, because you keep bottling it up and then that's when you have the breakdown and the mental crash and this, that, and the other that really does you bad. And you don't have to experience that. You can choose to experience that in a different way without it coming to all one head. And if you're in the middle of experiencing that, honor where you're at and start working through it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're broken. It means you have something to learn to make you even more powerful than you realize you are. Yeah. And it's like if you hit rock bottom, the only place to go now is up. And you have a f- really, really solid foundation. Especially if you think about Minecraft and life is not Minecraft, but for those gamers out there, bedrock cannot be broken. So therefore you can only go up and it's a sure foundation, but emotionally in our lives, the, there's a lot of truth to bringing that example in. Like when you hit rock bottom, you can only go up and you have the sure foundation. Yeah. And you find some of the best things when on that path. As you climb back out, you may find those diamonds. You may find the gold, you know, the gold, the, the, all the all the things that bring you joy in life have something that sits in juxtaposition to them, and you've experienced them. Well, how would you know how good joy feels without having been in that other experience? Yeah. Like you don't know what sweet is without having tasted salt. Or at least you don't have something to compare it against. I would say sour, but that's okay. There's six flavors. 
<laughs> There's more than six emotions. Yeah, right. And, and, and you know, some are subsets of other emotions, but in, in, in the whole of it, our lives are here for us to learn how to have joy, how to have happiness in, by being present. Yeah. And so, yeah. Don't, as one of my mentors says, don't make things a hitching post. Use them as a guidepost. Yeah. It, and it's like you don't know what clean is unless you know what dirty is. It, it, there's got to be opposition in all things. It, and that's what makes life able to be lived and able to make decisions in. Because if it was all just ambiguous, we wouldn't know what to do. But you yeah. can say, okay, this is light, this is dark, this is clean, this is dirty, this is good, this is bad, et cetera, et cetera. All these and it doesn't, it's Right, and it doesn't mean you run to the dirty, it doesn't mean you run to the dark, but acknowledge that it's there because you're going to pass through it from time to time. Yeah. I, I, yeah, don't run to the dirty. Like, you'll have enough along the way of you just trying to do your best. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I know from experience that we could talk for hours, but I feel like this is probably a good place to wrap up. Uh, anything else you'd want to add, Dad, before we wrap this one up? Well, I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um, just in expressing some of these ideas, it's opened my mind even further. It's given me a little bit more perspective on things. And so I'd encourage others who are listening to this to have conversations to be vulnerable because it's in that vulnerability that all of a sudden you start unlocking things in your mind and in your heart they're going to take you to great places but if we're too concerned about sharing you're not going to make as much progress as you could it's going to be a slower process you'll still get there i, I have faith in each of you you will still get there but it's going to be a slower process Open yourselves up and you will have more joy in your life, even though it seems like it's too hard to do it. Yeah. Well, and I dare say with the example you shared right at the beginning of your experience as a schoolboy, I doubt that you figured that all out in your head. No. Like, that's stuff that came out because of conversations. I don't know when or where or with who but that doesn't sound like stuff you just figured out in your head. No. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm talking about it and I look at somebody and they're looking at me like, okay, that was an experience. And I'm just like, thank you for letting me share this because boy, I just got the epiphany to clear up this part or this part. And as we spoke today, I came to understand my grandfather better. Yeah. Because I shared it and I was willing to share an uncomfortable attribute that he had. Liked arguing. <laughs> Liked arguing. But now I begin, I've come to understand that for him, it really was exercise. Gotta get that mental exercise in somehow. Yeah. I think there are better ways to do it, but that's how he did it. Right. I was just about to make the same comment. As to what that is, it depends on the person. But this has been a really good conversation and I appreciate the insights I've been able to have as well from being able to talk with you. And I hope that the listeners have been able to really gain a lot from this. 
Um, a lot of things happened in this episode and just the fact of me talking with my dad that brought a whole new element to it because we had common ground already. Like uh, there's one other person that I've had guest on this season besides that first episode with my fiance at the time. Uh, There's one other person that I've known at all before getting on the call with them. And so my dad being number two, that it wasn't just a hello, complete stranger that is now going to be my friend. <laughs> and it brings a different dynamic to the conversation. So, thank and we're you. better friends now than we were an hour ago. Exactly. And that's part of what makes friends is you share experiences, you share conversations. Yeah. Uh, if people want to find out how to work with you or more about what you do, where can they find that out? Uh, you can find out more about uh, me and, and my work at livingtreeconnections.com. And uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Mark Fincher on LinkedIn, or Living Tree Connections on LinkedIn, as well as on Facebook. And uh, I love working with people to help them understand their relationships better whether it's a relationship with themselves, relationship with family or relationship at work. Uh, everything is a relationship, everything ties together. And so I'd love to hear from anybody who's interested because I've had a lot of experience in life that has taught me to shift perspective. And some of it was really uncomfortable, yeah. but it's it's been worth it because I get to help people because of it. Yeah, we've talked about that on the podcast before with Tammy in that episode about businesses, people, like everything's a relationship. And I really like the way that you take that perspective, Dad, on not just business, but just every aspect of life is a relationship. And again, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you guys for listening. And if you want to find out more about what I do, head on over to starlightmentoring.com and you can find links to the podcast as well as just last night in the middle of the night I couldn't get to sleep and kind of revamped my mentoring packages so be sure to head on over and check those out because it's a lot cooler I've got payment plan options now instead of just uh, upfront paid in full options and I'd be happy to help you out as well And the beautiful thing is, is even though I bring on a lot of people that were in the same field of work, it's the connection. It's who do you work with best and who do you need now? Because there's people I wasn't ready for before and there's people I'm ready for now. Yeah. And, And it's by making all of those connections that brings you maybe to the next person you're supposed to work with. Yeah, exactly. Remember, you can rewrite your stars. I'm bringing people on to show not only examples, but also give ideas and ways that work of how to do that. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.